from Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gacanio! Yeah! All right! Here we go again! Thank you, Jason Kelly! Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Oh. Thank you. Oh, you're too kind. Welcome. <laughs> we got a great crowd every time we come on the air here. And thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen, for your great attention as we are ready to go for the next episode of the Queens New Yorker, which is right here, episode 206. It's Tuesday, May 24, 2022. We've been away for a little while, but that's because we've been catching up with the legacy of Queens. And by golly, gee whiz, I'm happy to say with the legacy of Queens and the Queens New Yorker both attacking that The Anchor and Spotify together, we have now reached a platform, a plateau of 4,021 listens total. Give it up for yourselves. There you go. 4,000 listens over the course of the time that we've been on Anchor and Spotify, which is two years, guys. Two years. Yes. Oh. Loving it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 I put the first recording of uh, episode one of the Queens New Yorker on Spotify over two years ago, and we haven't looked back since. We have continued to really expand our horizons on almost nine different uh, podcasts, uh, as you know, and Anchor and Spotify continue to do that. And do you know, I want to give you some running statistics. I don't really normally do this because we usually jump in right away but i want to give you some running statistics that i think are very interesting and they're interesting because they tell you a lot of what's going on here so let's look at the audience retention right now geographically the united states at 87 percent is listening to the queen's new yorker and the legacy of queens at the same time 87 percent three percent in the united kingdom we got people in ireland listening two percent And Australia, Germany, Canada, Puerto Rico, and France are all about less than 1%. Now, if we broke it down on platforms, 39% are listening on something other than Anchor, Spotify, or any other podcast. 39%. So that could mean that they're probably listening to it on a device that's not part of it. They're probably getting it from somewhere else. But on Anchor right now, 29% of, of our listeners You go to Anchor and you listen. Thank you. And those of you on Spotify, you make up about 15% of our our audience listening. Thank you. For those who have Apple Podcasts, you are covering about 12%. And then we have a a podcast called Overcast, which is about 6%. Now, if we broke it down by gender, this is interesting. By male gender, 49% of our audience is male. 44% female. 
non-specified 4% and non-binary 3%. But look at that. Almost 93% of our, almost 93%, I would say, 83%. 83% of our uh, our makeup here is male-female. Then, this is, the, this is the part I like. Let's look at it by age breakdown because this is where we really get the crux of our listeners. Most of our listeners, including myself, if I've noticed, we make up most of it. The 35 to 44 age range makes up 34% of the listeners on the Queens New Yorker and the Legacy of Queens. Very interesting. The next percentage of people would be the 45 to 59 range. Uh, then the 28 to 34 is at 17%. Then the 60-plus people, anyone over the age of 60 listens, that's only 16%. What I'm really interested in is, is that the 0 to 27 makes up about 11% of our audience. It's it's small because I know this is more of a historical program because we're talking more of the history of things. And younger people, I understand, don't really find history very interesting unless, of course, they live in New York City. So for that matter, I can understand. The 23 to 27-year-olds, you make up 8%. 18 to 22s, 2%. And anyone under the age of 17, 1%. And even though our show is really not geared for the children because children are learning other things, or, yeah, this would be a great program to listen to your, um, for, to give to your kids because really there is no, there is no dirty words in here. There's no dirty, we don't talk about the crime or any of the bad things that happen in Queens. We, we're talking about the good things we remembered back going 40, 50 years. So if you give, if you expose your children who are under the age of 17 to this kind of, uh, podcast, you might be surprised that they may pick up their history very fast. So I encourage those parents who have children under the age of 17, please let them listen to it. You never know what you might find. And I I know I talk fast a lot, but a lot of our information is from the Wikipedia. So I can understand maybe it's not as accurate and you want other sources. We're looking at other sources eventually to get to where we're going here. But on a more positive note, I'm very excited about the 8% that, um, who are listening between the ages of 23 and 27. And even the 28 to 34-year-olds at 17%, that shows a lot. It shows anybody younger than me, and I'm 44, <laughs> that you have a, a very good steady interest in Queens, New York history. And we appreciate that. I appreciate all my listeners and whoever you are, wherever you are listening. Thank you once again for your continued support. All right, now, <laughs> as we continue on here, uh, we talked about Dugan's and Holterman Bakeries. We got a 16 plays on that. Thank you very much for it. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad that you were interested in that historic um, two bakeries, two historic bakeries. Today, we're looking at a food company that has been around since 1936, 86 years in New York City. It's a lot. They're an American producer of brands of food sold in the United States and many Spanish-speaking countries. And it has facilities in the United States, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Spain. And is under third-generation ownership of the Spanish-American Unani family and is headquartered in Jersey City, New Jersey. Today, we're looking at Goya Foods right here on the Queens, New Yorker. Yeah, let's give it up for Goya Foods. All right. Oh, yeah. Probably one of those places you would never think of, right? <laughs> All right. 
Okay, that's actually called Unanu. Unanu is the actual name of the of the uh, uh, Spanish American Unanu family. Okay, so Goya Foods was founded in 1933, uh, but some sources claim 1936 by Prudencio Unanu Ortiz from Valle de Mena, Spain. Prudencio immigrated to Puerto Rico, where he met and married Carolina Casal, also a Spanish immigrant, and they later moved to New York City. The family had originally opened a small store called Unanu and Sons. I love that name. That's cool. It's got a nice flow to it. Unanu and Sons. Yeah. In 1922. However, it was converted to wholesale in the mid-1930s. Prudencio purchased the Goya name from a Moroccan sardine company, because he believed that his last name was too difficult to pronounce for American customers and also liked the association to Spanish artist Francisco Goya. Well, when Prudencio Unanu died in 1976, he left Goya to his sons Joseph, Charles, Francisco, and Anthony. Upon his father's death, Joseph A. Unanu became chief executive of Goya, then a fairly small $8.5 million company. As president and chief executive of the company, Joseph shared control with his brother Francisco, who served as president of Goya de Puerto Rico, Inc., responsible for much of the company's manufacturing operations. Joseph A. Unanu's son, Joseph F. Unanu, <laughs> was general manager and vice president of Goya de Puerto Rico from 1989 to 1996 when he became executive vice president at the company's New Jersey Assuming the number two position in the company, he died two years later. During Joseph A. Unanu's decades at the head of the company, Goya grew to become a major corporation. By 1998, the company produced about 800 food items, including rice, beans, sauces, and spices. They had 2,000 employees and about $700 million in revenue. Joseph A. Unanu was ousted from his position as Goya chairman and CEO in 2004 amid an a feud in the Unanu family about the direction of the company. At the time of Joseph A. Unanu's oyster or ouster, Goya was generating from $750 million to more than $1 billion in revenue. Joseph's son, Andy, the chief operating officer of the company, also left Goya amid the disagreement, prompting litigation. Robert Unanu and his cousin Francisco made the decision to remove Andy, who had previously been considered the heir apparent to Goya. Joseph Unanu retained a significant stake in the company and retained a seat on its board. He died in 2013. And then Robert Unanu has been the chief executive since 2004. The fracturing of Goya's ownership among its founders' descendants has frequently led to disputes about the company's strategy. In 2012, the company began destruction, or not destruction, but construction, <laughs> on a $127 million distribution center in the industrial Meadowlands area of Jersey City, backed by state tax incentives that aided the company in its move from Secaucus to the Jersey City site. In 2019, Goya had talks with the Carlisle Group about a possible buyout, and the company ultimately decided not to sell itself to the Carlisle Group. Now, Goya manufactures and distributes products from the Spanish, Puerto Rican, Caribbean, Mexican, Cuban, and Central and South American cuisine. Their products are sold in stores and supermarket chains throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, and international markets. 
And in 2006, Forbes ranked Goya 355th on its list of the largest private companies in the United States. Between 2014 and 2016, Goya opened five new facilities, including manufacturing and distribution centers located in New Jersey, Texas, California, and Georgia to meet rising consumer demand. Currently, Goya Foods is headquartered on a 40-acre lot in Jersey City, New Jersey, and they also operate a manufacturing facility in San Cristobal, Dominican Republic, and a distribution center in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. The Goya Gives is a program to support various charities, scholarships, and events, and includes donations of products to food shelters and food banks during times of crisis, such as Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. And in March and April of 2020, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, Goya donated over 300,000 pounds of food or about 270,000 meals to food banks and other organizations in the United States and also donated more than 20,000 protective masks. In 2012, the company joined First Lady Michelle Obama's My Plate Healthy Eating Initiative. And then on July 9th, 2020, at a White House roundtable discussion of the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative with President Donald Trump, Goya Foods co-owner and CEO Robert Unanu praised Trump, saying that the country was truly blessed to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder and adding, we have an incredible builder and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and for our country that we continue to prosper and to grow. Unanu's comments prompted a call for a public boycott on social media, which was supported by various Latino public figures, including Alexandria Asasio-Cortez, Julian Castro, and Lynn manuel Miranda. In response, Unanu stated the next day that this was a suppression of speech and declined to apologize for his comments. Supporters called for an anti-boycott boycott in support of the company. And Goya used its corporate Twitter account to call attention to its pledge made at the White House event to donate cans of food for those affected by COVID-19. And a Goya supporter launched a GoFundMe campaign that raised money to buy Goya products and donate them to food pantries. December 7, 2020, Unanu stated that Asasio Cortez was named Employee of the Month after her boycott call led to a 1,000% sales spike. On January 26, 2021, Goya's board of directors voted to censure Unanu following statements disputing the 2020 United States presidential election, banning him from speaking to the media. An anonymous CNN source familiar with the board's actions claimed that Unanu's statements imperified the future of the company and endangered the lives of some of the shareholders, and that the controversy following Unanu's White House appearance had not been good for the company. During CPAC 2021, Goya Foods CEO Unanu claimed the 2020 election was illegitimate and that Donald Trump is the real, the legitimate, and the still actual president. Goya Foods' logo and imagery has been appropriated by multiple contemporary fine artists who use the images in their paintings, prints, and sculptures, most notably Cuban-American artist Rick Garcia, sculptor Alexander Majaris, and painter John Kildoff, and others. And there you have it, folks, the history of the 80s, 
Long time, 86 years and still going strong. Goya Foods. There you have it. All right. Oh, yeah. Looking real good as we continue on here. Well, next time on the program, we're going to be looking at a very interesting uh, company that's kind of been around pretty well for its time. It's a short documentary, but we'll be looking at the American pizzeria chain that specializes in New York-style pizza sold by The Slice and other Italian-American cuisine. They were ranked 15th in in foreign sales among U.S.-based quick-serve and fast-casual companies, by QSR Magazine, and then they were rated number one quick-service restaurant in the Italian segment by Entrepreneur Magazine. Not all the reports were positive, as the food quality has been criticized, with the suggestion that this was a factor that led to two bankruptcies. But they've been around 66 years. They were founded in Brooklyn, New York, and we'll look at them next time. Sabaro Pizza, next time on The Queen's New Yorker. I'm Jason Acanio. Hope you had a great time with this edition of episode number 206. We're really climbing the charts here. Four more to the 210th episode of our show and getting close to our seventh end, end of our seventh season coming up in August, where we start up in August again. We'll be in our eighth season. That should be fun. So we've got a summer load of good stuff continuing through food and companies, historic companies, bakeries, all this in our food section. So we'll really continue on. I remember I told you food is going to be one of the big parts of our company or of our of our show as well as transportation was when we had it, too. We couldn't get out of it for the longest time. Thank you once again for having me talk about the show. Thanks for all your continued support. And remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid. Kiss on the Queens, New Yorker. We'll see you on Thursday for the next edition. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.